0: Hello everyone. I'm your host Toko and it's my podcast It's where for that. Welcome, welcome back. As you can tell by the title, we're going to be talking about dating. And I found two examples, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament that really I think drive home the topic of dating because I feel like as Christians, as young Christians now, there's just so much it's not misinformation, but just I think ambiguity when it comes to dating and I kind of want to just hone in and hopefully give some sort of concrete guide to dating hopefully this will will be short and just kind of get into the reason why you know dating has to lead, lead into marriage I think that's going to be like the main topic in this podcast episode so let's just jump right into it so I'm going to be speaking specifically of Ruth and Boaz in the Old Testament and Joseph and Mary in the New Testament. And starting off with Ruth and Boaz, specifically Ruth and Naomi, I really do think that with dating, I think friendship is important. Not just friendship between you and your partner or for a potential partner, but I think friendship in general with other people is important. And I say this because Ruth and Naomi were both widows and Naomi was Ruth's mother-in-law and I think when we think of mother-in-law I think we think of maybe the movie Monster-in-Law with starring Jennifer Lopez and I think sometimes it can kind of cloud our judgment of what you know the typical relationship of a mother-in-law supposed to look like but I think this is a really good example of just friendship as well because I think one part of friendship is loyal loyalty and I think that's an aspect that we should strive to have in our friendships and I think Ruth really did show loyalty and getting into the context of the story of Ruth and how both her and Naomi became widows, her Naomi and another, you know, sister-in-law slash daughter-in-law lost their husbands like the story opens out quite literally like this man died the head of the house died his sons died and all these women were left as widows and so I think starting off with that I think it's very very traumatic like imagine just losing your husband so suddenly and I think it really was sudden from how I read it and so the other wife goes off to back to her home country she's like you know what You know, Naomi told me, you know, you guys are still young. You can, you guys can go get married. I'm old. I'm gonna go back to Moab, and then the other wife goes, and Naomi's like, "No, let's go. I wanna go to your home country, and I, you know, I wanna stay close to you." And I think that just goes to show her loyalty, not just to Naomi in the case of just like being nice, but I think genuinely just having a caring heart to say, "This lady and I have been together, basically." you know, raising homes, you know, getting to know each other, in like inter intermingling our families basically. And I don't I don't think she just was ready to just let that go. And so that's the old testament example of friendship. And when it comes to Joseph and Mary, I want to talk about Elizabeth and Mary. And so Elizabeth and Mary um had this particular relationship and what made it really interesting was that both of them were going to care, were carrying very important children in the context of the story of the bible elizabeth was the mother of john the baptist and as you know john the baptist came to pave the way and i think also as well um mary was the mother of jesus obviously and i think in a way mary elizabeth was also paving the way to show mary what it was like to be a mother because it is said in the Bible that when Elizabeth was pregnant, she was pregnant, I think, three to six months before um, Mary conceived Jesus. And so I think aside from just those particular um, specifications, I think also just speaking to the fact that I think motherhood is very, very difficult. I'm not a mother, obviously, but I've seen how my mother has raised us and how... I think there's no, there's not really a guide to motherhood, and I think the best thing that you can have is an experienced friend and somebody who, somebody who knows the ropes, essentially, not just in, you know, motherhood, but also in marriage, because Elizabeth and Zachariah were also married, and Mary and Joseph were engaged, and I think those particular relationships can serve as vessels of wisdom, and also fast forward in Ruth. Ruth and Boaz get married. And I'm pretty sure Naomi was also like helping her and helping it even just says in the story of of Ruth that she says, Yeah, let, let go get ready and you know, lay at his feet. And she gives him all the, she gives her all these tips. Naomi gives Ruth all these tips as to, you know, how to, you know, catch Boaz's eye, essentially. And also I think that just goes to show that, you know, she was being this vessel of wisdom and It's so interesting when we speak about wisdom and these things that in Proverbs 8, wisdom is depicted as a woman. And it's not to say, oh, men can't be wise or anything. But I think in the context of the story and dating, and I'm assuming that most of my listeners are women. So young women, single women, maybe not all of y'all are single, but I think most of the people are listening are women. So I think how we can also get wisdom is through good counsel. And part of good counsel is to have, you know, people who are more experienced and more informed because there is wisdom in yours and in living life longer and having different experiences. So I think that's kind of like the foundation I think relationships and dating should have is having people around you from both sides, not just, you know, women or the woman in the relationship, the Relationships having friends, but also men should have friendships with other men to help get guidance on what it means to navigate the things that dating brings and could also consequently bring such as marriage and kids and stuff like that. And these are just some excellent examples of people in the Bible that had godly counsel and also people who went before them and showed them the ropes essentially. And yeah, so I think also aside from friendship could also be interpreted as sisterhood, you know, I think, one thing that women are really good at is really having like kind of like a sisterhood, basically um doesn't necessarily have to be biological. Sisterhood could also just be non biological. And I think that's kind of this the closeness that I that I picture these particular women having ha is these these particular women having that type of friendship, you know, just that close sisterhood type of friendship. So yeah. And I think the first point that I wanted to point out was that we have to know our why. Aside from a good foundation of friendship, we also have to know our why. And I want to focus specifically on Ruth, because I think when we think about Ruth and Boaz, we say, oh my gosh, yes, you provided for her. And those are, those are very true things. But I think we forget that she was very loyal. And had she not been loyal to Naomi, I don't think she was going to meet Boaz like thinking of like the butterfly face and stuff like that. If she had chosen the same path as the other daughter-in-law, sister-in-law, she wouldn't have met Boaz because Boaz was in the same region that her and Naomi went to live in. So I think that part of loyalty is something that is very, very, very overlooked because like I said, if she had not followed her, to Moab she wouldn't have met him and I think that's just her strong that's that's her strong characteristic of loyalty coming through and I that's part of her knowing her why she knew why she was going there she was going there to be loyal and not necessarily looking for a husband and what that means for us I think is just aside from actively looking for relationships I think our priorities should be in exhibiting godly behavior you know and, just t- and not just godly behavior to just check it off and say, yes, Lord, I've been godly, I'll give you my husband. But genuinely focusing on the primary relationships that are in your life and the primary th- things that are placed in your life. And maybe, you know, those relationships and the dating process that we, that, we, that we really do crave come from that. So, yeah, I think when it comes to, I think people really do gloss over the fact that she had so much of a problem probability one woman like character in her. She was very loyal. She was doing all these things. She went to go and work in the fields. She she was really a to study one woman. And, you know, I see people making jokes about it, but genuinely we have to be to study one woman even before we're dating. Not just for practice, but just in general, because that is what a woman is supposed to look like in the Bible. And I think, when it comes to even just the men, I think when we look at Bo as his character, he was a very kind guy, like he allowed Ruth to you know pick some grain and do her business and I think the part that really stood out to me is he didn't just you know jump in and do it for her; he let her do the work, and I think aside from that. And going into a tangent here, I think when people think about dating and what men should do in relationships, I think they really do want men to be like very submissive. And typically in the Bible, being submissive is not a manly trait. Like obviously we all submit to God, period. But I mean, in terms of relationships and stuff like that, being submissive is not necessarily a biblical thing, especially being submissive to a woman, it's like, it's, it's not really a common, you know, topic. So I don't understand why, you know, us Christian women should expect that from a man when it's not something that has been highlighted in the Bible. So yeah, coming back to what I was saying, he let her do the work and that was part of her being a a Provocity One woman and just being, being productive because had he stepped in and, you know, said, no, here you go get this bag of grain or get this, you know, all this, all these crops and stuff like that, she wouldn't have been able to exhibit that probably one characteristic of, you know, being productive and waking up early and stuff like that. And yeah, aside from that, he also told the men in the fields not to bother her. And I think there was also a certain level of just being not protect, maybe protective, but also just, kind and gracious because you know I'm pretty sure women at those times were not necessarily treated with the most grace especially in such informal environments such as farming and even more informal going out into the fields and farming I'm pretty sure a lot of things did happen and I think Boaz was wise in that case of looking out for her and going that far to say don't bother her she's just gonna pick some grain let her do her thing and What that means for guys is a man should be kind. And I think that's not a thing that's really spoken about in today's culture. People want men that are cute, who are tall, who have dreadlocks, who are tall, dark and handsome and all these other things. But I think kindness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if he's not exhibiting the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and in this case, kindness, then he's not really a man of God. And One thing that I've really been thinking about when it comes to dating is that, you know, just because he's a Christian doesn't necessarily make him a man of God. And just because he's a man of God doesn't necessarily mean that he's your man of God. And it's such a hard pill to swallow. And when I first kind of came to that realization, I was like, oh my gosh. And I was just so, like, enthralled by it. But yeah, like, genuinely there are people that can put a bible verse in their in their bio and claim to be christian but they're not in church they're not living for god after church if they happen to go and even if they are doing that that doesn't necessarily mean that god has ordained for you to for you guys to be together and that goes back to what i said about ruth and following following naomi to Moab, you know, that was destiny. You know, she didn't have to do all of that because, you know, the other daughter-in-law slash um sister-in-law went off and you know, she probably lived her best life. But that was destiny, and I think as corny as it sounds, like we actually have to wait for God to show his hand in destiny, in the form of destiny. Like obviously it's a plan for God, but for us it looks like destiny and we only, we'll only only really know if it's destiny unless God is leading it, you know. Because some things can appear as, you know, this moment to be and stuff like that. But unless God is showing you the, the signs, I guess, and the um, the go-ahead to date this person. And I think the way we know we're getting the go-ahead is if very early on we're exhibiting our own individual characteristics of God in what it means to be a godly woman and a godly man, but also in the coming together of that, we are putting in the solid foundation of marriage because it's a bit of a point, a sub-point here, is that we date to marry as Christians. We don't date to fool around. We don't date to fornicate. We don't date to commit sexual immorality. We date to marry. And so, yeah, I think when we think about dating, it's not necessarily just a haphazard thing. Yes, it should be relaxed. I'm not necessarily saying that you must go in with a list and say, oh, if he doesn't have this and this, he's done. But I do think it should be kind of, it should have perimeters, you know? And, you know, obviously the exceptions to rules and stuff like that, but I do think that having perimeters in dating is very important. And I'm going to get into what dating is not in the end, but I just wanted to kind of hone in on that specifically. And aside from... Ruth being loyal, I think also that loyalty kind of reminded me of Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13, and the 10 bridesmaids, and half of them brought extra oil. And I think just that nature of being prepared for what's to come, the bridegroom coming to get the bridesmaids. And I think although that's a very apocalyptic you know, parable talking about how we have to be prepared for Jesus at any moment. I think it could also apply in here in the context of being being prepared in your character. You know, because if you had the desire to get married, most most likely not definitely most likely speaking you will get married so you definitely have to be prepared and how we prepare is by stewarding our gifts and also bearing the fruit of the holy spirit not just in our gifts but also in our day-to-day lives and you know i highlighted that in with being loyal and stuff like that so i'm not going to get into it further i don't want to keep going in circles moving on i think also aside from that i think timing is everything and i touched on that as well in the context of destiny, but I also want to talk about it in the context of Mary and Joseph, you know. I think when we think about them, we say, oh, they're the parents of Jesus, namely Mary being the mother of Jesus, but I think when we look at Joseph in that situation, he, him and Mary were not married, so technically they were dating, and They were engaged very technically, but they were still dating. Because if it's not married, you guys are dating. So I think looking at the situation of her being impregnated, you know, via the spirit, and kind of going into the context of the time of that the time frame in that era, unwed women with children were kind of seen as social pariahs, along with divorcees, widows, spinsters, and stuff like that. Those were people that were on the fringe of society. So looking at this kind of like situation from joseph's perspective i think the natural inkling and the natural urge to just say you know what this lady has been around you know she's for the streets i'm gonna go get me a proper woman of god was probably there because he you know said you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna decide to end things. Wait, I'm gonna decide to end things. But what makes him righteous was that he, it's 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 explicitly said that he did wanna, did not want to disgrace her, and I think that speaks to his character that he did not want to be a brash, you know, wicked man to say, look at this prostitute she went out and did all these other things while while sh while, while we were in while we were dating now she has a kid that's not mine because i didn't i didn't do it with her but he didn't do that you know he could have done that but he didn't and i think it goes to show that he was bearing the fruit of the holy spirit faithfulness i always have to get them down in my head faithfulness and gentleness as well because you know in that that's a very tense situation to be in and he here he is Showing faithfulness and and gentleness to her, and that's that's something that we should be looking out for when we are dating. When we when we find ourselves in very peculiar situations, and not it's not to say that everybody is, is just gonna have a it's, it's, it's just gonna be pregnant one day from the Holy Spirit. Not we're not gonna do that. That's not that's not that's not gonna happen to us, you know. But I do think that when we find ourselves in situations that, you know, may seem a, a certain way. And may even be out of our control, whatever it, may be, whatever it may be, the person that we date has to still show the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their response to us. And even though we that person may have, and including ourselves, even though that person may have the manly or the fleshly inkling to, you know, take matters into their own hands, just as Joseph wanted to end things. Where Godly counsel comes in is when I believe the angel of the Lord came and said, "You know, this is what's happening she what she's saying is telling the truth and do not end things with her that's what happened and he him following that and you know following the, obeying that instruction it's him being a man of God because obedience to God is very, very important it's a righteous thing to do so Not only was he bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but he was also exhibiting his righteousness in obeying the word from the angel of the Lord. So, yeah. Moving on, I kind of also wanted to talk about Mary's perspective as well. Her being impregnated in such a weird time and such a weird instance and never seen, never before seen circumstance. And like I said, The unwed women with children, divorcees, widows, and spinsters were the social pariahs, along with lepers and stuff, and people like that. And it must have been very terrifying to kind of be perceived this way. And I think had she been going through it alone, it would have been even more terrifying. And since Joseph was there to support her by not leaving her, I think it made all the more difference to their relationship. And I say this all to say that that highlights the importance of being in equally yoked relationships. And I think in the Christian spaces, we kind of have these terms floating around when it comes to dating and stuff like that. And it is true, we should be in equally yoked relationships. But I think going into why is important. And as I highlighted, you have to be in equally yoked relationships because you yourself are equally yoked with God. Not necessarily in terms of power, but in terms of responsibility and positions. God is the ultimate, you know, father, head and everything over our lives. And we, as the lowly human beings, obey him. God gives instruction and we obey. That is the, the yoke, basically. We're equally yoked in that sense. Not in terms of position, like we are equal to God, but in terms of, what the reciprocating energy is like. We we obey. God gives the instruction, we obey essentially. And once we have that um, practice, I guess, of being yoked with God, we able to we we'll be able to use what we what we've been experiencing with God to step into relationships with that kind of mindset and knowing what that means, you know, because we've already had this practice essentially and this is just a very specific example the story of joseph and mary and i think it being specific is irrespective of what it looks like to deal with situations that come in life as equally old people and side note here i think equally old relationships don't necessarily have to be subjective to relationships but i do think also it could also be in friendship as well like if i'm being if i'm Christian woman my close circle of people should be fellow Christian women and people of God you know and yeah I think all in all I think for us as Christians what we face in society especially nowadays with things getting even more intense and so many more anomalies when it comes to dating and all these traditional rules being broken when it comes to dating it's important to have a firm foundation and a firm union. So that includes the people that come together with the union, our friendships and who we're consulting and who we're confiding in for wisdom. And that also comes in the relationship with God. We also have to have a strong, strong relationship with God, strong enough to know what it looks like to be in a godly relationship, what the positions of marriage look like when we're, before that, which is dating, what that looks like, you know, before we get into marriage, us dating to marry means that we have to set in the foundations for what a godly marriage should look like in our dating, and that comes from an individual character of being godly men, godly women, and in the relationship as in the relationship as well, it also means heeding to scriptures like Ephesians five, the latter part of Ephesians five. Very, 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 very comprehensive um guide of what it looks like to be in a in a godly marriage and relationships and stuff like that, and gleaning from that, you kind of get hopefully i mean get the understanding of what it's what marriage should look like and what we should be working towards in our singleness as well and in our relationship and I think we also have to take away the stigma of. Oh, once again in relationship I'll fix this. Yes, there are things that do get fixed and do get um changed in us when we are in relationships, but there also is work to be done in our singleness. There is work to be done when we're preparing for relationships, when we're courting and stuff like that. And I think to just throw all sort of progress or character development into the basket of marriage and shedding it away is just counterproductive and kind of counterintuitive as a Christian or what we should be in to, in tuned to do, you know. And I say this to say that when we are in our single season of singleness, as people may put it, we still have to be doing work and not just doing work with our eye shifted towards you know, any man that may be approaching us, but genuinely putting our heads down and exhibiting godly behavior, you know. And I used to do this as well. I used to be like, oh, yes, I will, you know, become more patient and hopefully this man of God is, is just going to drop down from heaven and just, you know, marry me on the spot. That's ridiculous, but that's genuinely how I used to think. But yeah, like, that's unrealistic. We genuinely have to work in that season regardless of whether or not we are in a relationship or we are dating. So, yeah, I think also I wanted to also speak about how, what speak about what dating is not, especially, you know, kind of trying to uproot what we might have normalized from the world. I think dating is not lack of intention, just Snapchatting and, um, going back and forth on oh, your beautiful striped couple of stories that's not dating that's not dating. that's just you know window shopping if I can put it that way you're just looking and you know you're not necessarily showing intention and you know intentionality is particularly more so I think male leading like you know the man has to ask the date and stuff like that but I do think intention in in women is also very important like if I'm you know, if a man asks me out, my intentions have to be made clear in the beginning. If I intend to date this man, I should make it clear. If I don't intend to date him, then I should also make that clear. And dating is also not just, you know, having fun. Even as a Christian, we should also, we should have fun, definitely. But there should, they should, they should, they should, they should also be some sort of seriousness in the dating in terms of, Putting in boundaries, you know, because having fun can lead to irresponsible in irresponsibility in that fun because, you know, fun is very subjective, but having responsible fun is needed as a Christian because there's always going to be a temptation to commit sin and it could also be sexual sin. It could be, you know, just violence against each other, be it mental, physical, you know, all these other things. And SA and stuff like that. And so, putting in parameters, biblical parameters, in that dating in order to have responsible and righteous fun is needed. Like the same way we as Christians know that what the world deems as fun is just partying, smoking, having, you know, fornicating, and you know, committing, committing sexual immorality. Those are not things that we should view as fun as Christians. In the same way we should view, How the world dates as not fun. And obviously, I believe it's Paul who speaks about how when people who think they're free but are actually bound, those people are the most dangerous people because they do not have a proper, uh, the right perception of themselves. I think that's very true because. When we are dating and when we are in relationships and stuff like that, not knowing what you're doing is harmful and thinking that it's good is very harmful and it's very, very dangerous because it just show, goes to show that there's no lack, there's no sense of, you know, God because God would not allow, especially. Since he's given us his spirit, if you're not, it just goes to show you're not consulting the spirit, you're not being the the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you're being the fruit of the world. It, it just goes to really just, I think, break down any sort of communication with God's spirit, and also just communication with people of God that might be in your circle, and it just goes to show that you don't necessarily either have those people or take their advice and i say this to say that that we genuinely have to involve the holy spirit in our personal relationships with him and also in our relationship that we are pursuing or in with a with a guy or vice versa because the holy spirit is crucial in terms of having responsible fun and setting boundaries like Fornication, if you don't know, I've sp- I've said it like maybe like five times now. Basically, to fornicate is to, you know, live with someone you're not married to, do marriage things as a, someone who is just dating someone. Because I know it's going to sound very weird, but I, I remember watching the TikTok, TikTok, it was like, it was very short. It was like, oh, if, if we're not married, you're yeah, my brother in Christ. So you should respect me in that sense. So we should not be trying to do... Marriage things as brother and sister. It sounds very insane, but it really stuck to me, and I hope it sticks to you as well. So that when someone is saying, "Oh, we can do other stuff though," you're like, "Uh, uh, uh, we're brother in Christ unless we're married," you know. So yeah. Also, what dating is not is, you know. Like having so many options. In either in both of these examples. There's no mention of, oh, another man was courting Ruth or yes, Mary did have another person that she keeps on the down low. No, it's just those two people, Ruth and Boaz, Joseph and Mary, there's no one else competing for either one of the people. You know, there's no sort of love triangle or love square or love pentagon. It's just just the two of them. And that goes back to the whole topic of intentionality like if you're not being intentional you're going to most likely want to have many options and you know people will say why have one guy when you can have five like it sounds very worldly and fun but it's not it's not something that is long-lasting it doesn't have longevity and it's not honoring to the person that you're talking to like if i'm quoting someone and things are getting serious what does that what does it have what does it mean to the other people that i'm you know, basically quoting, And aside from that, I think it's just it's just also very taxing. Like I personally did have a season like that where I was like talking to five people, but that was before I got saved. I, I got burnt out. Like I was just like, this is too much, you know, remembering personalities and, you know, dynamics between people is too much. And it just goes to show, I think a bit of greed and that's not kind of through the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. Yeah, I think... Aside from that, I also just think having the ick is something that, you know, is kind of unjustified. <laughs> like, say, oh, this is the ick, you know. I think it just, I I kind of get both sides, you know. It's just, it's, it's very borderline disrespectful because some of the icks are like, really, girl or guy, these are not icks. These are just, you know, hatred towards the person that you're talking to. And... Other times, like, yeah, this is an ick. However, what are you doing about it? You know, are you communicating with that person? Like, hey, I don't like this. Instead of just, you know, basically gossiping and saying, oh, this is the ick. You know, so yeah. And hopefully this has been a little bit helpful. I am very tired and I'm recording this very late. This is going to be a Thursday episode. So thank you so much for listening to this episode on Thursday. On um, this Thursday. I'm giving it away that I'm recording this early. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. I love you. And most importantly, the Lord loves you. Bye. As you may or may not know, Christians are being persecuted in other countries on a daily basis. So I believe it's up to us Christians, fellow believers in Christ, to support them either financially or spiritually. So would you please, please, please click the link in my bio under persecuted Christians, support them financially and join me in prayer either five minutes, two minutes a day, just to pray for them and pray for their strength and their courage to continue worshipping God and to continue following Jesus. Thank you.